Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing the topic of a shortage of forage. And for much of the state of Nebraska, they've experienced drought conditions as we went through the summer and into this fall. That's resulted in reduced forage production on rangeland and pasture, reduced hay production, specifically from annual forages, and then also seeing reduced crop residue available just because of less yields, specifically thinking about corn, uh, especially here in Western Nebraska, hearing reports of irrigated corn, uh, very disappointing in terms of yields. Dryland corn also would be disappointing. And I, I'm guessing, especially on the dryland end, uh, that could be something that would be typical across the state. So we're looking at a situation where producers do not have the forage available that they normally would at this time of year. And as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in early November and so really looking at, you know, six to seven months at least before we get back to some new growth in terms of pasture and range. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Travis Molnix, who's a range cow production system specialist based at the West Central Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Molnix. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Dr. Molnix, I'm sure you've been getting quite a few questions, as have I in terms of thinking through what do we do right now as we look at the inventory of forage we have available to us, whether that's forage we can graze or harvested feed, and try to think through how do we make the most of this as we look at the time we have between now and when we look towards turning cattle back out to grass sometime next spring. Yeah, it's a, uh, it can be a very difficult time or decision making uh, for a lot of producers. Uh, you know, with the shortage of rainfall, uh, short of hay production, a lot of areas, uh, you know, they put up 40%, 50% of their normal hay crop. And so, uh, you know, then you add what we've seen the last couple of years with guys maybe feeding a little bit more hay in the winter due to some winter issues of being cold, wet. Um, you know, didn't have that storage or that stockpiled of uh, winter feed resources and, and coming through this dry period of not being able to, you know, catch up with that has thrown a lot of guys into some really tough decision making of, of what to do with their cow herd or what, what should they feed to help them get through this time period. Well, I think as we look at this kind of scenario, the first thing to do is think about what's my forage demand or feed demand going to be between now and when we get new growth. And that really is looking at cow inventory, uh, looking at replacements, trying to get a handle on what do I have in terms of demand currently in inventory? And then what are some things I can do to manage that? Give some perspective on maybe some things folks might wanna think through as they look at their cow herd, as they look at replacements right now. It's thinking about, you know, what are the options they have uh, and, and trying to think long-term in terms of what's the ripple effect of some of those decisions? Yeah, I would, you know, take an inventory of where's my cow herd at. Um, you know, a big one is your season in calving, and so that would play that would play a big role in where where I could possibly skimp a little bit more than other areas. If I'm calving earlier on, it's spring calving, or even guys that are you know February January calving. You know that they could be in a tougher bind because of nutrient requirements are higher at this point than someone calving in in you know April or May uh, situation, and so one is what's your body conditions for your cows, and so that's a big one. It will really dictate some management strategies that we would have around them. 
Um, and so if they're, they're already thin, then, then we've really got to look at different ways to actually putting that condition score on them versus cows that are in good condition. And there may be a lot of lower quality hay available um, in those circumstances, you know, we could probably get by a little better than with thin cows. Uh, the, the other avenues look at, you know, what feed resources do you have and take inventory of the quality they, they are. You know, a lot of guys call you and, and say, you know, they have this available, but they don't have what that forage analysis is. And so knowing that forage analysis, we, we can really plan out and be very strategic about who gets what and what should I buy to complement this uh, and uh, to really keep my costs lower during this time frame of that I may have to buy other feed resources to get by. And so those would be a couple of key things is, you know, knowing the conditions for your cows um, and then inventory of what you have and the quality of what you have so we can be even more strategic about, you know, what type of animal gets fed what. Um, and so um, especially if you think about, you know, the requirements of, let's say, a younger female versus your mature cow. And, and those younger females are going to require a, a little more nutrient input than a mature cow will. And, and so knowing that we can divvy up our resources so, so uh, we're not really hurting one group of cows versus the other. As we think about the cows, we have an inventory and also think about replacements. If we need to make a reduction in demand, meaning we need to move some cattle off the ranch or maybe sell some cattle, what are some strategies to maybe think through with that? You know, each, each year I would go through and already have a list made. And so have a group of cows that um, maybe are, are your bottom doers that, that, that do all right, but they're, they're not your best cows. Um, and, and so we always have that list available because with any, whether or not it's your grazing plan, it's your contingency plan, having a list of cows that would be available to go if you need to make room is very important. Uh, it's hard to make that later on when, when you know, you get closer to that time point, I've got to make this decision now. And then you have to dig back through all of your data and, and to come up with the list of cows that should go. But think about uh, the priorities that you have with your operation. And a lot of times it's those older females that are easiest to get rid of of uh, than your younger females. A lot of that's due to the cost associated with uh, getting them up to that point. If I'm selling two-year-olds, I'm, I'm probably going to be losing quite a bit of money off of them um, versus back to my development and get them to that point versus if I got a bunch of eight, nine, ten-year-old cows that, that, that I can get rid of that um, maybe are not weaning a, a, as large of a cap at that point in their stage of their life. Uh, the other avenue is, do I need as many heifers this year? You know, can I, can I sell a few more heifers and, and relieve some of that stress uh, if I got rid of a few more heifers and not, don't keep so many this year? And so for, for each operation, you know, that priority list of who should be cut first will, will be different. Um, it could be that, you know, I'm not keeping my calves as long this year or not retaining any yearlings. 
And so those are the easy ones. So think about being flexible in your production system and, and what gives you a little more flexibility to get through this time period without giving up too much. And so key on those animals that, that, that you can, you know, get rid of, but it won't hurt you long-term. One of the things I think I'm challenged with a little bit in looking at this kind of scenario is we hope that we'll get some moisture this winter and spring and, and we'll see grass production bounce back as we look towards 2021. But the data would say, as at least I look at range data, the year following a drought, even if we get average to above average precip, there's usually a reduction in forage on native range in that next year. Not always, but there often is. And so I think also need to be probably planning that we may grow less grass in 2021, just as a result of the drought impact of this year, even if we would have average precip. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the following year can be a tricky situation. And, and that's really any kind of rangeland based or, you know, semi-arid environments, you know, we may have multiple years of droughts. And so we've got to plan long term. Um, you know, one key for us that really preach is making sure you have a year supply of hay stockpiled back just for, for these circumstances. But if you don't have that, uh, you know, we need to look at different avenues of how do we feed to stretch your feed resources. And maybe, you know, not, you know, a lot of that problem with the drought situations and not having that growth the following year is I might have grazed a little too hard. Uh, throughout that dry period, of, you know, the year before, that's going to have a negative impact on the following year. Um, and, and so we can see that um, from those drought situations of over, basically overgrazing that year of the drought uh, by not getting cows off early or, or um, uh, changing some of our grazing plans earlier on. And so th th those are important. So we, we may want to look at some avenues of uh, this winter of uh, feeding some supplementation that can decrease some of that grazing pressure or, or decrease the amount of hay that we would need to be fed uh, to meet their requirements. One of the other things I kind of think about, and this is counterintuitive, but I wonder if scenarios like this actually maybe reducing the mature cow herd in some places, but actually keeping more heifers back, I might provide some opportunity. And what I mean by that is that those heifers are going to take less forage through the winter, but they also give us some flexibility as we look to next spring. If we do get precip, uh, we can breed more of those heifers, get back into the game. On the other hand, if it doesn't rain and we need to further reduce numbers, those still have quite a bit of value as a feeder animal or could go somewhere else and be bred and sold, you know, as a bred female. So again, I think that's not traditional. I think uh, we tend to think about shipping those heifers off, but we can, ask a heifer to get through the winter and challenge her a little bit. I mean, we still need to keep her healthy and growing, but uh, she actually will take less feed on a per head basis than a mature cow. I guess give some thoughts on that, Travis. Yeah, that's a great point, Aaron. And, and, I, and I like to think of heifers as a yearling or a stalker operation. I don't want to think about having heifers just from the endpoint of their only source or their only endpoint is re a reproductive endpoint. And that's really not a fair way to look at heifers or heifer development. And so I think that's a great take on, on it, Aaron. Uh, you've got to be a little more uh, risk adverse uh, uh, in, in some of those scenarios. But 
you know, think about a heifer as just a yearling operation that has multiple endpoints that it can possibly go. And, you know, it could be like this year that a lot of heifers off of grass or open heifers off of grass were bringing more than bred heifers. Um, and, and so, you know, depending on that cost, of, you know, that, that heifer makes a, a, a really great yearling operation. And, and it gives you that, that flexibility. Let's say we don't green up early, as early or we don't have the growth this following year. I've got the flexibility. I can get rid of those heifers pretty easily. And so it's not like my cow herd that if I'm selling cows, it's sometimes harder to get back into the market due to selling at a low and then having to buy, buy something back as the high. Um, and so with those, those heifers, that, that gives you a, flex, a lot of flexibility. Um, and there's a lot of data on that in, in drought conditions or in, in drought environments that um, having roughly 50% of your AUMs in a yearling uh, system actually increases your profitability. And it, and it really goes back to the flexibility it allows in your grazing, your grazing management, dealing with these, these droughty conditions and these you know, time periods that we have low forage production. That I keep as many as possible in those years I can have a high growth and these drought conditions, you know, those numbers decline. Um, but but a long-term year profitability would increase. So yeah, it's a, it's a great point because because of that and also the inputs over winter. Say so that yearling heifer, I will probably feed a, at least three quarters what I would have fed at that mature cow or less. And, and so, you know, you're feeding much less. So your input over that time point is less as long as you're taking advantage of her as a yearling versus trying to increase our reproductive endpoint. And sometimes our costs get way too high when we just think about that one reproductive endpoint. Travis, what are some other tools that maybe we have in the toolbox that could help us get through this? I'm thinking here around the use of ionophores, uh, the use of limit feeding to yep. try to stretch the limited resources we've got. Yeah, so one avenue if you have dry lot pens is to lock cows up and go to into a limit feeding situation um, where I'm um, you know, feeding a limited number of a hay feed stuff and increasing uh, with a dense, more dense diet around it to meet the requirements. So they're not eating as much, um, I'm still meeting the requirements. Uh, an, another avenue is uh, feeding a starch diet, a higher starch diet, it's coming in with corn, and that could be on a grazing side or, or on a feeding hay side, but we have to be very careful with, with the idea of just feeding corn to substitute that hay or forage. Um, ideally, if I fed, let's say four pounds of corn, is going to substitute for four pounds of grazable forage or, or that hay. However, if I don't meet their protein requirements, those cows will go backwards and start losing body weight. Even though I'm feeding corn, energy intake actually declines at that point, and so overall energy is less. Uh, and, and so corn is a great option in these circumstances, but I have to meet their protein requirements before it makes sense to be a great option. Um, another avenue to help in those circumstances, either in a dry lot setting or out on the range setting, is feeding ionophore. Whether or not it's Bovitec or it's Remensin, they will decrease 
feed intake. And, and so you'll have somewhere about a two to three percent decrease in feed intake by feeding ionophore. Um, and, and so that will help to kind of stretch some of that forage resources that you have uh, in those circumstances as well. Travis, anything else you think that folks should think through or, or mull over as they look at this situation right now and think about where we're at in the calendar year and the, and the months ahead? Yeah, another thing to look at is, you know, a lot of guys are beginning to lean now or, or you know, a lot of times weaning occurs up to December. And, you know, if, you're, if we need to stretch forage, you know, by weaning that calf off today, I save roughly and getting that calf off the pasture. You know, I save about 10 pounds of forage per day. And so, you know, that's a great management strategy to help save some forage and stretch that forage. And it may only be for 30 additional days or 45 additional days, but it really would help. Uh, with some, some forage savings if I can wing that calf off a little earlier, uh, as long as I have some avenues to go with it um, and, and help with some forage savings as well. Uh, and that may help if, you know, if your cows are thin at, at this time point that, you know, 30 days, weaning 30 days early results in roughly about a, a total what one body condition score increase. Um, and, and so th there's some avenues with looking at weaning data as well that will help in these circumstances, especially with uh, younger females. One of the things that came to mind for me as we were talking about grazing forage is that the forage that we have out there on range and pasture may actually be of lesser quality uh, than it is in many years because of the drought conditions. Anything to pay attention to there in terms of what we might need to think about if that range quality is actually less than it historically would be as we think about our winter program. Yeah, so it, it is, or, or the data I've seen, our forage qualities this summer were two or three percentage points lower than average. Um, and so, you know, we are seeing some, or we'll see some results of that. And so one is monitor your body conditions for your cows. We don't want to get into another scenario that um, we either weaned late or got into our, our really our winter months and cows are in too thin of a body condition support due to the scenario we're in right now is coming into winter with lower quality forage than normal. Um, and so really look at body condition score and see where you're at is important one. And so that body condition score can dictate whether or not one, we, we know protein is going to be limiting in those diets. You know, we'll, we'll need to supplement with additional protein. The body condition score is, is, is low or the cows are pretty thin, then we may have to come in with a little different strategy along with that protein um, to help get a condition score on those cows before winter hits uh, and have some issues down the road. And, and, you know, in Nebraska, we have a great resource that can do both in distillers. And, you know, it's uh, high in protein and it's high in energy. And so it really helps and it gives us a lot of flexibility in our nutritional strategies. But by using it in that scenario that, that protein and energy may be uh, deficient and, and help um, uh, with that lower quality forage. The, the side effect of feeding that won't be to save forage, though. 
Now, if we're trying to stretch forge, that distiller is feeding that circumstance, even though it has an energy value, it won't decrease forage intake. It actually will help increase the forage intakes. And so this, that the strategy would depend on whether or not you have enough available forage or hay stuff in the condition of those cows as well. Dr. Mullenix, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic as we point towards wrapping this up? Yeah, there, there is, um, you know, we are faced with a time period where there, there's probably limited forage, uh, limited resources. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, just to keep our cow herd together and how the market is playing that um, you know, it's hard to get rid of cows and buy back. So be very strategic about if you're selling cows, you know, be very strategic about who, who you're selling. And, and I think one point that you brought up that it's a great point that more producers, I would hope, would embrace is the flexibility in their animal herd. Um, you know, not be st so stuck on, on just a cow herd, but we just run cows. And so having those yearlings, whether or not it, it's, a, you know, a steer backgrounding stalker type operation, or running more heifers as a yearling operation, is a great option to, to really help with times that we're faced with now. Because it gives me a lot more flexibility of, of how long I keep them or, or you know, how many I have without hurting the rangelands the following year. Uh, and so, uh, you know, look at ways to be a lot more flexible in your, your management will really help with these time points that we're faced with, with uh, limited feedstuffs. Thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Molinix. Anytime, Aaron. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you will be able to find articles, NEB guides, also some webinar resources related to this topic.